Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Sunday, December 5th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Pretty disappointed uh, ending off where we were picking up where we ended off last time. I thought I was 24-ish hours away from my first show, and that got postponed. So that was a huge bummer for me and kind of made the weekend a bit of a letdown and put me through a funny cycle of really not wanting to listen to music the one night. And then the next morning, my coworker, bit of a hog on the ox, does uh, kind of just does his own thing, doesn't really ask for input, uh, share it. And the day of working with that had me ready to go Saturday night and having today off, I've been blasting music all day coming up off that like one day withdrawal. Uh, so that's, trying to get through it with that but you'll you'll catch him in toronto hopefully it's a throat infection that uh suspend they were supposed to play montreal then ottawa the next night and so they've postponed those two they're still saying toronto for now i'm just have no optimism that that throat infection heals though mm. yeah when are you heading to toronto when are you heading home so the Tickets and plans are mostly booked. I'm uh, supposed to leave Montreal this Wednesday and then arrive in Toronto on the Friday uh, with a little detour to Ottawa for a little um, hot tub and pool stop. Nice, nice. And and that might be the site of your podcasting <laughs> location on Wednesday night. We'll see how things go. Yeah, this could be the last pod in Montreal for quite a few weeks, possibly all of December. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So nice to have the holidays around the corner, plenty to look forward to. Oh, yeah. But here we are on another Sunday night with plenty of sporting action that's gone by for us to recap of. Yes, and most importantly of which, the Grey Cup, right? (laughs) That happened. Yikes, man. Is Canadian that football. happening right now? It just finished. Wow. Both the semis. Oh, the semis. So the yes. Grey Cup is next week. Next weekend. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. And yeah, so yeah, you're looking week. forward to it, right? Yeah, of course. I, I may not know when the semis happen, but I'll know when the Grey Cup happens. Come on. It's the Grey Cup. Canadian heritage moment, always and forever. Is that number like 103 at this point? I know we're like laps around the NFL. We might be at 108, my friend. Whew. I remember the Argo was winning 100. I guess that, that was I went a to lot that longer ago than I thought, huh? Yeah, we're old-ish. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Another great Canadian football game this weekend is where we will start the pod. I'm going to give a rundown of Saturday and Sunday in my football fan cave. Then we've got some basketball. Then we've got some hockey. Short and sweet. Send you on your way to end your Sunday. Start your week. Whatever you choose to listen. But... Uh, Yeah, enjoy this one, and we'll kick it off in Quebec, where Max also resides, but not nearly in the same location, uh, TELUS Stadium in Montreal, the site of the Vanier Cup, where my alma mater, the University of Western Ontario Mustangs, win their eighth Vanier Cup over the Saskatchewan Huskies. Uh, in a game where the main storyline for me personally was the fact that they should have put on skates 
Um, the field, the field was so slick. The turf seemed very shallow. People were sliding and slipping everywhere. It's like classic Canadian football, right? It's so cold and there's snow on the sidelines. Uh, but saw a couple guys lose their legs underneath them. I think one guy blew out his knee, uh, on a play. So really scary stuff, but the teams persevered and some great football, and in the end, the Western Mustangs take it home. Shout out to the boys. The, it's going to be a pretty busy week on campus this week and at the bars in London, but uh, an awesome win to start the weekend for Western. And with a freshman quarterback, they will be back and in the hunt for the next couple of years. They're second in, in four, but uh, yeah, this is a powerhouse team year after year. So it's fun to root for them uh, as an alumni. Nice on that. Yeah. Other college news. We go south of the border where the last week of the college football regular season concluded. We had many exciting championship games, none more exciting than the SEC championship game between number one ranked Georgia and number three ranked Alabama, where Nick Saban reestablished his superiority in the SEC uh, dominant win over Georgia by Alabama. A pretty shocking result. And the offense of Alabama turned the number one ranked defense of Georgia into Swiss cheese. Very surprising, but they've got playmakers all over the field with Williams and Mechie and Bryce Young puts his name back in the race, back in the lead probably for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, great performance from him and Alabama with that lands in the number one spot today in the college football rankings, followed by Michigan, who took care of business against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. We then have Georgia in the three seed. So even though they lost to Alabama, still belongs as one of the top four teams in the nation. And then rounding out number four, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. They Done beat, it. yeah, they did it. They beat Houston uh, in the AAC championship game. And this is a big step for a team that represents a lot of smaller programs in Division One football and did it by a great system, did it by some excellent recruiting and managed to build up a team that now gets to compete with some of the biggest, most prestigious programs in all college football uh, for a chance for the national title. So congratulations to Cincinnati. Um, other teams of note, Notre Dame uh, finishes just outside of the top four and Oklahoma State had a shot maybe to push and they honestly, could have taken Cincinnati's spot if they had won against Baylor, but they lose. And Max, I don't know if you saw the clip, but they ran fourth and goal from the one yard line. The guy cut to the outside, dove for the pylon, and the Baylor uh, walk on, I believe it was a, a fifth year senior walk on, gets the stop, and the guy reaches out the ball and just misses the pylon by about an inch. It was wow. so, so, so close. Uh, Baylor holds on to win an awesome game, and Oklahoma State misses out on the college football playoff because of that win. So we have the same four teams as last week, but just in a different order now with Alabama and Georgia switching places. So we'll be looking forward to those matchups in a couple of weeks' time. So does Cincinnati have a shot, or does is making it here the achievement? My guess is it's going to be a double-digit spread for Alabama yeah. as favorites, yeah. It's 
Like Cincinnati has a couple solid wins. Houston, probably their best win of the year, but it's just a different class when you yeah. step up into the top four like this. And like it's Alabama and Georgia. I think even Michigan's outside of that ranking. It, it would have to like nine out of 10 times, Alabama probably wins and Michigan's just hoping to have that one game where they could steal it. Mm-hmm. But really, like the SEC is so dominant. They've won so many of the past championships, them and Clemson. Uh, so don't really think Cincinnati has a shot, but it'd be fun for root for them, right? Always got to root for the underdog. Yeah, that Cinderella fairy tale type story. It's just a question of when does the clock strike midnight? Exactly. Let's move on to Sunday today in the NFL. Um, it's the afternoon games, not super riveting, although the Baltimore Pittsburgh game is locked in a heated battle uh, as we speak but I'll, I'll run through the games that have already happened today and some big storylines max the biggest of which the detroit lions no have won a football game wow tell me more four seconds left on the clock fourth and goal from the eight yard line Minnesota's defense plays prevent against balls going out the back of the end zone, apparently, because the Lions run a nine-yard curl, stick it, Jared Goff lays it in there, touchdown, walk-off touchdown. They don't even kick the extra point when you probably should have. It actually breaks an NFL rule because if Minnesota had blocked it and returned it, it would have been a tie game. They won by two. Uh, but no extra point, walk-off touchdown. The Lions celebrate like they've won the Super Bowl, and their record is now 110-1 on the season. Congratulations to the Lions. It's a Christmas miracle early in December um, and a fantastic win for them to really stay off the board as this, the only team to ever have 16 losses twice uh, in their franchise history. Yeah, that uh, pushes all their worry and their anxiety off to next year. Yeah. And if you are a Vikings fan, you have to be calling for Mike Zimmer's head as we speak. Tough one. uh, Follow up with the Vikings fans. I know on that one for you. (laughs) Sounds good. Looking forward to hearing back. Uh, Another game that I mentioned as a marquee matchup, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cincinnati Bengals. The Chargers explode in the first half up 24 to six. The Bengals come all the way down, make back, make it 24 to 22. And then disaster strikes for Joe Mixon fumbles the ball, the Chargers get a scoop and score for six, and then add on top another score. They win the game 41 to 22. Um, The score in the end a lot further away, but one of those games, right, where both teams are slightly above average and have had ups and downs throughout the season, and the Chargers hit a high and the Bengals hit a low, and that was the result. And now those two teams have the exact same record. Chargers slide one spot ahead of Cincinnati in the playoff race just because of the head-to-head matchup, but they're all crowded in there in the AFC West and the AFC North. Uh, So we're going to get more matchups between these teams as the weeks go along. Uh, but that's a big one for the Chargers to save their bit of a slide here uh, midway through the season. Other news, the Miami Dolphins beat the New York Giants. They continue their run. They've now won five straight. They're six and seven. They go into their bye week and coming out of the bye week, they play the Jets with a chance to go seven and seven. Uh, Would be a remarkable run for them, but we're keeping our eye on the streaking Dolphins as they uh, continue their hot stretch through the middle of the season. 
my boy, Kyler Murray, is finally back after four weeks of off due to an injury. And he went off today, three passing touchdowns, two running touchdowns all over the place, eclipsing the 30-point plateau in fantasy big for me because uh my opponent's also having a big week but shout out kyler so happy to have you back buddy and thank god i did not start kirk cousins today because of that lions game Uh, another quarterback who has not played in a long time is gardner Minshew, uh, who got his chance today with philadelphia as jalen hurts was out with an injury and he had a really solid game 242 passing yards two touchdowns didn't turn the ball over as the eagles beat the jets um and get back on track after an embarrassing loss to the giants last week and Minshew is a guy i think who will be in high demand from teams who are looking to move on from their quarterbacks next year because he's a guy who takes care of the football has a really great touchdown to interception ratio but hasn't really gotten the opportunity to be the number one guy except in jacksonville and i feel like that doesn't really count (laughs) yeah And last point to touch on here as of right now, my fantasy MVP today, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, despite the loss to the Lions and all of the hubbub surrounding that game. The beautiful thing about fantasy is you can cheer for individual players and not care about the game's result. And Justin Jefferson goes out, puts up 36 fantasy points and a big win for a lot of folks trying to claim a playoff spot as we get nearer and nearer to the fantasy playoffs. I think we are two weeks away from fantasy playoffs starting. Uh, so big week for Jefferson owners, even though he produces for them on a regular basis. And as I speak, the Pittsburgh Steelers have beaten the Baltimore Ravens uh, by a score of 20 to 19. Wow. A tight, tight finish in this game. And that is a shocking loss for the Ravens who are playing against the Steelers team, Big Ben announcing that he's probably um, retiring at the end of the season. Thank God for that. Uh, He can barely move out there. But somehow this Ravens team who pulled out games consistently throughout the year could not manage this one. And that's a big blow to their chances. And now that means that the Patriots are the number one seed in the AFC. Wow. Didn't think we'd be here four or five weeks ago. That sickens me a little bit. Just sickens me a little bit. But we move on. That's it for Football Fan Cave. Uh, we're going to move on, Max. Where would you like to go next? Yeah, let's go into basketball storylines with that and our hockey. Just going to recap the Friday, Saturday and catch you up on what's going on so far here tonight. So I guess kicking off, it wasn't actually Friday. But uh, we had a historic NBA blowout, Owen. Uh, maybe not too surprising, the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder on one end of it. But uh, who would have thought the Memphis Grizzlies breaking NBA records, winning their game by, what was it, 73, 73 points. So they almost doubled the score of a Thunder team, which is testing the league's boundaries on appropriate and acceptable tanking i must imagine with results like these it is truly brutal because if you are in the top four i would say in terms of lottery you have a legit shot at a pick so you don't have to be the worst team in the league and the thunder had been decently competitive so far this year they've had a couple bad losses including this one but the big thing here was no shea gilgis no josh giddy and therefore 
no offensive production for this right. team but no jaw either so facing yeah but the but the thing with memphis similar to what i've talked about with atlanta is memphis has like 14 guys who could be in a regular nba rotation and that's just the difference okc like you're throwing up g leaguers when you don't have a starting fully healthy starting five um versus a memphis team that can pull together a ton of guys who play really high level basketball and it's just obviously there's a variety of factors culminating in this blowout uh due to the fact that a lot of teams let up on the gas pedal usually late in these games now but because of the age of social media uh, a lot of fans in the building knowing that the nba record for largest margin of victory was i think 68 prior to this started cheering for it Mm -hmm. so you're it's you're up 65 in the fourth quarter and fans are chanting defense Uh, Mm -hmm. trying to get a stop trying to get a score with your third stringers out there and so memphis propelled by the crowd continues to pour it on and and it's honestly a slap in the face it's disgraceful to the league that they could have a result like this and in a time where parity is promoted and there's so much talent across the league that there's a team blatantly tanking and getting their ass booted like just they got the floor wiped yeah, men and it's, boys it's shocking score yeah it's shocking all right that's about all i've got on that so moving along to friday night i'm just going to call out a couple games that have caught my interest here um the wizards still a 14 and 9 record but they drop a bad one to the Cavs. the 76ers nudge over the hawks by two both teams tied at 12 and 11 uh, and that's squeak by the Timberwolves 110-105 I was flipping around league pass and saw Durant just hit a nasty dagger uh, ran in through the three-point line mid-range two defender the on-ball defender thinks about trying to coordinate with the help defender the help defender thinks about going to Durant but it looks like Durant hasn't been part of the action too much that last minute they don't really know what to do and he is way too wide open in his favorite like elbow mid-range spot and it's just such an effortless jumper uh, to put that one away the Rockets currently with the largest win streak in the NBA more on that in a minute but they took out the magic uh, and then the two big games of the night, the Clippers winning the battle of the L- LA over the Lakers, 119 to 115. And then the biggest game of the night, the Warriors taking it over the Suns in a game with no bridges, no Booker, 118 to 96. Uh, I I turned this game on to watch it and passed out as I often seem to trying to watch basketball anytime past 10 p.m. Uh, I don't know if you have anything quick on this one. Nothing particular, like obviously Bridges being out is a big one, but looked like Steph had a bit of his mojo back. Yeah. The only thing I'd want to talk about in this game is Juan Toscano Anderson with an absolute facial on JaVale McGee. Uh, McGee, a good sport on Twitter afterwards. Uh, JTA in an interview said he wanted to have that one hung up in his mom's house uh, and framed, and, and JaVale said he'd sign it for him. So good sport there. Um <laughs> But yeah, just a nasty poster, um, which the greatest moment from that game. All right, we get along to Saturday night. Uh, some more, I know you've got at least one game here. Uh, the But to start off, the Bucks 
making it look easy against the Heat. They're in full swing now, 15 and nine. They win that one, 124 to 102 with no Giannis in their lineup. The Warriors instantly losing their momentum. They gained by getting that revenge match against the Suns, dropping one to the Spurs. Uh, as I saw one San Antonio fan dub it on Reddit, ah, our annual, how the hell did we beat the Warriors game? The Celtics obliterate the Trailblazers 145 to 117, just one quarter in that game where they didn't score almost 40 points, a complete defensive breakdown on a team whose defensive issues we've highlighted on this pod. Uh, Jokic, I don't know how long he's been back in the lineup, but helps the Nuggets stay at 500, getting a win over the Nets. And then you've got this one in your notes, so I'm going to hand it over to you to talk about this Bulls-Nets game. Yeah, I, I tuned in for the fourth quarter of this game because it is a matchup between two of the top teams in the East. And uh, I haven't really, as much as I would like, had the chance to really dig in to a couple of these teams. And the thing that instantly stood out to me in this fourth quarter, man, is similar to the Milwaukee Brooklyn series and the Phoenix Los Angeles Clippers series in the playoffs, the elevated level of shot making from some of these guys, DeMar DeRozan. Oh my gosh. Like it's it's just nothing we ever saw in Toronto, the level of way that not we saw the shot making in Toronto, obviously, but the way that he has his hands on the pulse of the game now has just been elevated. And that's come from just more years and more experience in the league, but he hit some great mid range shots, like it's so dialed in. And then late in the game, not afraid to give it up to Lonzo ball for the dagger three to, to really seal it for the Chicago bulls. Um, I loved what I saw out of guys like Io Desumu, who's, gives them great activity and uh, was on the offensive glass and was running it in transition. And uh, on the other side, James Harden and Bruce Bowen combined, I believe it was seven of 31 in the game. Bowen missed a couple bunny layups. Harden loves turning the ball over. And it was funny. I went from the Brooklyn Nets broadcast to the uh, Chicago Bulls broadcast. And in both broadcasts, the announcers said the exact same thing that James Harden looks like he has no lift in his shots and no lift on his drives. He's just not the same level of threat attacking uh, from with the ball in his hands that he used to be. It's a lot of perimeter oriented play. Um, And it just, it makes the bearing heavier on Kevin Durant, who still is coming off of an Achilles injury. He was incredible last year and he's incredible in the playoffs, but you got to wonder how much strain his body can take on a night to night basis. And obviously, you know, Steve Nash does not love playing him the heavy amounts of minutes. He's been playing him early in this season, but KD still marvelous as ever uh, hitting a couple tough shots on his own late in that fourth quarter. And it goes back and forth between DeMar and Kevin. And in the end, it was Levine and Lonzo who ended up sealing this game for the Bulls when DeMar was not afraid to give it up uh, late in that game. Um, Yeah, I was just really impressed with the shot making. And I would say right now, your MVP candidates, there's five. It's Steph, Jokic, KD, Giannis, and DeMar, I would say are the five. I'd say DeRozan's 100% in that conversation with the start that the Bulls have had and the way that he is top three in the league 
in scoring, and he leads the league in all important fourth quarter metrics, clutch scoring, if, uh, effective field goal percentage, fourth quarter scoring on its own as an absolute stat. He's just been fantastic, and that's really got to account for a lot of their success because they miss they missed the play-in game last year, right? Yeah, after going for Vucevic. And part of that was Levine getting COVID, but that can't be understated that this team has been elevated from a bubble playoff play-in game type team to now being a contender and beating the Brooklyn Nets, right? And that's and a lot of that's DeMar. And then the other piece of that is the GOAT Alex Caruso, who leads the league in steals, average and he's the only one in the top 10 who averages less than 30 minutes per game. It's crazy. He's a cookie monster. The Bulls kind of reminding me of uh, the Montreal Canadiens of last season, taking a lot of swings in the offseason, and most of them seem to be paying off early here. Uh, The other end of this equation is you look at the Brooklyn Nets, and yeah, I just talked about their win over the Timberwolves, but it's the Timberwolves. Uh, They go up against the Suns, the Warriors, now the Bulls. They're losing all these games, though. Is uh, the Bucks, whenever that was, like, is this... Is it panic time in Brooklyn yet? Like, hey, we're not beating any of these teams. We've got an 0-5 record against them. I would say no, because they're still the number one seed in the East. But and who cares if that if that's just well, built off wins against bottom eight teams? Yeah, it, they still have to bank those wins. And if you are the one seed going into the playoffs, you're going to have that home court advantage, which is really important. I would argue... The pieces that you can still lean back on is it's a quarter into the season. Harden, despite how bad he looks, still puts up pretty nice numbers, not the best efficiency, but he's going to get better as the year goes along because he's going to continue to play himself into better and better shape and adapt to the rules. Like I just trust that as one of the greatest offensive players of the last decade, that he's going to be able to figure it out at some point. And then you've got KD, who, if not for his fat foot in a game seven would probably have, they would probably be the defending champions. Really? Um, so there, there are pieces here that still can be brought together and they're fine to coast a little bit with the wins that they can bank against poor competition. So I would say it's, it's still a little early to have the alarm bells in Brooklyn. All right, so we get off of Saturday night and move along to the games that are happening as we speak. Uh, The Jazz beating the Cavs by a one-point nail-biter, 109 to 108. The Cavs still 13 and 11, by the way, on the season. So we caught them slumping right after we did our check-in, but they've managed to stay above 500 here. The Jazz 16 and 7. I remember highlighting that they had a pretty easy strength of schedule coming up after playing a pretty tough one. Uh, Win over a team in the East as well, worth noting, Uh, but looking like they're starting to creep and crawl towards those Suns and uh, Warriors, especially with uh, each of those teams dropping their last game. Then we got our wraps up by a nice comfortable spread. Five minutes to go against the Wizards, who are in danger of dropping two here. Uh, Shout out to Pascal Siakam having his breakout game of the season. He's got 28 points tonight. Um, and a, 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 the major force behind this Raptors uh, lead. I'm just looking forward to seeing this team fully healthy at some point because Utah Watanabe has been pretty solid. 
since his return uh, to the lineup and how he's played so far, but missing Ken Birch and OG and Anobi, two big guys that I think when they finally insert them in the lineup and we have that whole rotation, like it pushes Svi, it pushes Delano, it pushes Boucher as your bottom three guys in this rotation and Utah. When those are your like end of the bench guys that you're getting minutes to, the, the team, the ceiling gets raised. And I'm looking forward to the Raptors. They now have a bit of a mini winning streak, two game win streak. Maybe they can get some guys back healthy and continue to to push this run and get back into the playoff picture. Yeah, I haven't been following them too tightly the past couple of weeks. Uh, looking forward to seeing what this team is all about a little more. Maybe asking for an OG jersey for Christmas. Oh, I'm, I am I asked for a Scotty one. Ah, all right. Well, that, I might have to commit to that then. Um, I don't know which one of these I want to talk about first. So the Rockets up at 47-42 on the Pelicans right now. Um, they have a chance to go for six wins in a row here, which would be the longest streak in the league, I believe. Uh, and then a little more interesting, we've got the Hawks and Hornets neck and neck here, just four minutes to go. Looking forward to the end of that one. I've had it on on my phone and on and off here. Might check in at the end of our hockey talk to see where that's at. Although with a game this tight and NBA fourth quarters being what they are, it's probably not wrapped up by the time we wrap up. Probably not. Probably not. All right. Um, We move along to hockey. You shot me a text last night that I really would have loved to be able to follow up on telling me about Austin Matthews penalty shot. I couldn't find it though. Uh, I I don't know if I'm a boomer just Googling like Matthews penalty shot December 4th, but uh, I came up with nothing and kind of just got sad and stopped trying after that. Yeah, maybe I would say Sportsnet usually has the highlights, but it's a couple minutes behind. That's the place I would go. But yeah, just basically an inverse of the goal he scored in front of the Colorado net rather than going backhand to forehand, he went forehand backhand and it was in the top shelf of the net before I even realized he had gone backhand, like just so lightning quick. And I, like, I threw up in my mouth a little bit. It was really gross. Unfortunately, uh, Kaprizov just as nasty on the other end. And then Willie Nylander had to score to, uh, force another round of penalty shots. And I hundred percent knew that he was not going to score. He didn't, uh, the Minnesota wild take a really, really, really fun game. Like this was probably the NHL's equivalent to sun's warriors, the Leafs team who had won 15 of their last 16 and a Minnesota wild team off to their best start in franchise history. Uh, two of the top five teams I'd say in the league right now, and they were flying all over the ice. Um, one of the most open games the Leafs have played in a while. We had talked about their defensive improvement and things got away from them a little bit with the speed and skill of this wild team. Uh, that Erickson Eck Greenway line was giving them a ton of trouble all night. Uh, and on the other side, of course, missing Mitch Marner after a yikes collision with Muzzin in practice that had him shaken up. Uh, so he did not play last night. So tough to miss him. But the Leafs still put forth a great effort. Jason Spezza had to step up in Marner's absence. He had two goals uh, in in the game. And yeah, just the last five minutes was pure chaos. Um, 
Minnesota buzzing around, shots hitting the side of the net. The crowd was going crazy. Jack Campbell was flopping all over the place. A couple big blocks. Uh, there was a five on three earlier in the third period where Kerfoot had broke his stick like four times uh, and blocked a shot. And uh, the Leafs then had chances back the other way where it was really close. And then in overtime, uh, the Leafs had a four on three that they couldn't capitalize on a couple great opportunities there. It was just really high tension hockey um, felt a little playoffy, which I really enjoyed. And despite the Leafs losing, got to be happy with the point uh, and the result from that and just keep the point streak alive as, as they move along. Uh to the Winnipeg Jets, which that game will start very shortly tonight. And it'll be interesting how they respond with the energy after a emotionally draining effort last night. Hopefully Mitch is back uh, for tonight's game because they, they needed his tight corners play and, and the creativity in tight spaces. They just, it was a more of a throw it into the zone and go win it type game last night, rather than some of the, nicer outlet passing and some speed on the wing stuff. Kobe Oubre hitting a nasty three-pointer <laughs> and falling back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, the wide open games where Mitch shines the most for sure off a of back-to-back. Uh, some That's a decent consideration. Save the hurt player for the second end. And lastly, I'll say such back-to-backs can kind of go two ways. Sometimes you see the team with no legs and sometimes you see them with already really warmed up, hyped up, ready to play at high intensity legs. So hopefully a hot start for our boys tonight before the Jets knew what hit them. Kind of like how their playoffs went. (laughs) No comment, eh? No comment. (laughs) All right, that's it for me. Uh, looking forward to seeing my Broncos take on the Chiefs in about 15 minutes time. Looking forward to the Leafs taking on the Jets. Puck drops around now. Looking forward to seeing the Raptors close it out. Looking forward to a new Hawkeye episode coming out Wednesday and Spider-Man the following week. Also, my birthday week starts today. Not a big deal. It's going to be great. Um, yeah, birthday just keeping the positive. Is this guy? Oh, well, not not actually doing anything too exciting, but just just feeling good, you know. About to enter my Jordan year. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club, funny. buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, I sir. I think of it as the Scott Pilgrim year, <laughs> or as the youths say it now, LeBron James year. Did you see the Bronny James game? No. They played at they played at Crypto.com Arena last night. <laughs> Sierra Canyon versus uh, LeBron's alma mater, St. Vincent, St. Marie's. Okay. It was in the Lakers arena and wow. Bronny was showing off NBA range. He had a couple deep threes and then a really slick play where he split a double team and just hung in the air for a layup. Um, Bronny showing some stuff at the very least. I could see him getting like a G league contract just because of who he is. And oh, then, yeah getting like a couple minutes to play with his dad in an NBA game at the end of the season or something at the very least, but the genes are starting to come in. LeBron James's second son, Bryce uh, had his first dunk um, in his like grade eight game or something. Yeah. The LeBron gene, the LeBron gene genes, the Le genes are hitting and uh, these kids hopefully will be something special. It's always fun to see a father and son 
uh, participate in professional sports. The, the most notable of which probably was Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. hitting back-to-back home runs on the same team uh, way back in the in the 90s. Wow, I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> especially when like ball IQ, such an important part of LeBron's game, you mm-hmm. expect or hope and wish to see that transferred over and maybe uh it's an intangible but in theory it should be something that you can pass along although you never know yeah all right that's it for this one uh you know it's my birthday week so listeners feel free to send me gifts that would be nice (laughs) uh no no in actuality the the greatest gift i could ask for is your continued support we appreciate each and every one of you thanks for tuning in um and that's it for me max i'll leave it to you it's down by six love to see it Ooh, herder just hit a nice three talks down by three go <laughs> sports next door signing out